0: Hello, and welcome to the How to Exit podcast, where we introduce you to a world of small to medium business acquisitions and mergers. We interview business owners, industry leaders, authors, mentors, and other influencers with the sole intent to share with you what it looks like to buy or sell a business. Let's get rolling. (laughs) So uh, I'm here today with uh, Brooker Kraft and Ali Taraftar. Uh, did I get that right? Just, why don't you say it for us also? Because uh, that's what was, he was teaching me how to say his name correctly when, we, when I clicked the go live button on him and, and messed him up. So tell us yeah, yeah, one more time.
1: Yeah, just reference the giraffe, but it starts with a T. So Terafdar.
0: Terafdar. All right. So so well, I, I always start off, you know, you know, kind of giving people a very high level. So Ali and Broker have created a company inside of the acquisitions and merger space that address a very unique... Um, market opportunity that uh, we all see is coming. It's not, a, it's not a good one. I mean, it's not a nice one. It's just something that's going to happen, and we have to deal with it. And we're going to get into that later, but I always want to start off with, uh, you know, who who you are, what you're up to, kind of how you got where you're at now. So, you know, let's start, I guess, uh, Brooker, you're on the top of my screen. So tell us about yourself, like kind of who you are, what you do, kind of what got you here, where you're at now.
2: Oh, man. You know, life's just a series of forks in the road, right? And ultimately, you wind up where you're at. Um, so I was a career soldier by trade, got banged up, got out. Uh, I was in the Army for, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years, something like that. Uh, was a Green Beret. Got out, had some dark years, and ultimately realized that I didn't like working for other people. So I started my own company. Uh, without writing a book on it, I started a, kind of a construction-related company. Eventually, all involved in electrical farm security, things like that. Um, Eventually took on a partner. We scaled up to just full tilt general construction electrical from, you know, low voltage jack all the way up to a industrial transformer switch gear. Um, So I kind of realized that I had a little bit of a lack in business knowledge and had an epiphany one day. It was just kind of thing, you know, I, I need to grow my company through acquisitions. So uh, started educating myself i went to a club uh, just to kind of learned a little bit about mergers and acquisitions and since then i've been scaling my company up in that regard um met lana and ali and through some time you know talking with ali and lana you know we just came up with this brilliant concept being labruda capital and here we are
0: awesome so i uh, went from you know active duty military actually uh you know serving serving the nation and now serving a market that's gonna really need your help so i have a lot of respect for that thank you for your service i served in the air force for a little while myself um i always tell people i, I wasn't in the military i worked for the military so uh i was in but it was kind of a joke i was in the air force and i worked at military intelligence which means i sat at a desk and uh, put x's on buildings for people to blow up kind of thing but uh you know uh, all my friends that were in the other branches that actually had to you know carry firearms and, and face danger that's to me is like the real like really in the military we all we all we all committed you know our time and our energy, but you know what you did out there is just totally different from what i what I would have uh, considered myself doing so
2: man what's cool so I, I was an eighteen fox, so we're the only intelligence personnel on the planet that put together the intelligence from the ground up. Or receive various intel, put together a packet for whatever our ultimate goal is, and actually action the target. So, man, that was a lot of fun. It was a good time. I enjoyed it. I miss it. <laughs> uh,
0: I enjoyed my time. And just great people there. So let's just jump over to Ollie. Ollie, uh, same question. Like, tell us about yourself, who you are, what you stand for, kind of how you got from wherever you want to start. I never make people all the way back to the childhood or anything, but start wherever you want to start. and Tell us how you got here and uh, what you're all about.
1: Yeah, man, sure. Yeah, not, definitely not as exciting as uh, what you guys gone through. But uh, let's put it this way, perspective-wise. you know, I left Canada to go to the United States in 2007, uh, pre-housing market crisis. Let's just put it that way. I was super excited about the opportunities there. I met a couple of investment bankers, and uh, we decided to put together a firm, DNA Advisor Group at the time, to do debt restructuring and mortgage modifications, uh, create portfolios and sell it to institutional investors who are outside of our country, just so that they can buy into it. So essentially, I was one of those people that crashed the market. I joke, I joke. That's not true. <laughs> but uh, no, man, it was fun, man. You know, we were doing settlement amounts of like six, seven hundred million dollars a month at a time. Um, through that connection, and obviously working hard, I came across you know private families that were investing large amounts of money into the markets. And we always hear about these institutional investors. We think investment banks and so on and so forth. We never really think singular individuals are just private families. Through that connection, you know, obviously I worked hard to cultivate those relationships. Uh, One of the hardest things I learned was, you know, there is no way to sell these guys, you know, if they find value and they will approach you, you can't approach them. And, um, you know, through the hard work and obviously being an integral part of making sure that their risk is mitigated uh, through the procedures in which we took, I took a very keen uh, liking towards personal credit because the housing market crisis put a lot of people in the streets, you know. So my fundamental belief was, look, even as we're making a lot of money, you know, you still have to look out for the people, the average person that's actually allowing you to use, you know, their estates and and their deeds and so on and so forth to create the products that you're creating to make the money. So I took a huge liking towards personal credit, you know, decided to commit to that just a couple of years ago, launched a small YouTube channel to educate people on personal credit, create programs to help them as well, uh, outside of investment banking and secondary practice is that, you know, and uh From that perspective, got into acquisitions like you guys, obviously, you know, we all met at a very similar place. Um, But, uh, you know, from that perspective, I think what I learned was, um, you know, just just be authentic, man. Like, you know, obviously people can the really wealthy and institutional people, if you want to do large deals, make a lot of money and build wealth. You have to be authentic. You know, there's there's nothing that would give away. You know, a person who is not really being themselves, rather than the person how they how they conduct themselves and how they do certain things. So action dictates who you are. So through that, obviously, I met Brooker. You guys, and honestly, I, I couldn't be happier where I am today. So there's no complaints there. You know.
0: So awesome. What you were talking about there is I just learned about this after hearing you know joining the Harbor Club and getting into the acquisitions and merger world. I've heard of institutional buyers. I've actually heard of the Spacs. I've heard of all the. You know go on i p o and all this stuff and i 've never heard of what a family offices was, and I thought it was you know something that you know something you guys named a group and then I heard it again on something you know on, on another thing and then just i guess it was yesterday or two two days ago one of my favorite uh, uh news uh, sources called the hustle uh, is a it's an email newsletter of great writers uh, plugged them I guess there, but they wrote a whole thing about it, and I guess there's trillions of dollars sitting around in these family offices. And, uh, uh, it's one of those, I guess you don't know about it until you know about it. And, uh, you know, knowing about it might not be the, uh, you know, it sounds like knowing about, it's not the only answer. You can't just solicit them and go, Hey, I want you to invest in this. There's, they have dedicated people that hunt out opportunities for them. And you've got some of those connections, right? Exactly. Awesome. That's right. So, uh, we touched base kind of at a very high level, but let's just jump right in. Tell me about La Bruta Capital and what makes it unique. Uh, tell, the, tell the listeners you know what your unique proposition is here. What are you addressing into the market space that we all see coming?
2: You want to take it out later, or you want me to jump on it?
1: Go for it Brooker. I'd like uh, to, to have it.
2: You know, due to COVID, various economic influences at the moment, the American economy's taking one hell of a lick. Okay, business owners are surviving on PPP loans, EIDL loans, various state grants, and they're unable to conduct business as they were, and business owners are becoming more and more distressed by the day they're finding themselves just buried in debt. And essentially, you know, a lot of these businesses are in high distress, borderline insolvent, and getting ready to go bankrupt. So, you know, we were discussing it, and what we realized is that what we've done is we've put together the ability to come in and separate the business owners from borderline insolvent distress businesses from their debt from their personal guarantees preserve the integrity of the business okay as long as it meets certain criteria i.e one of those that we create a massive or a substantial delta by removing the debt from the business and a delta is just a ratio saying that it becomes profitable whereas currently in the debt with the debt load that it has it's not um, so really it's, it's really altruistic ron we Essentially, we have the ability to save the economy one business at a time, preserve the livelihoods of employees in the business, provide them the ability to keep putting food in their children's mouths, save the business itself, ergo furthering and impact in the economy in a positive way, and save the business owners from, you know, essentially foreclosure, losing their assets and losing their livelihoods. And that's, you know, that's really our end goal. That's, that's what we're going for here.
0: You know, one of the things I see, you know, prior to COVID and prior to, you know, any other major catastrophe in the world, somebody going, you know, facing insolvency or facing, you know, uh, bankruptcy, your natural inclination is to believe that they did something wrong, right? They did mismanaged, you know, took out, you know, over leveraged or something. But in this case, what I see is we're running – into a lot of companies that had the revenue to support the debt structure that they took on, uh, maybe they went through major renovations, maybe they got new uh, an equipment refresh, something happened. Uh, they they increased their uh, you know their debt in uh, debt to income ratio and didn't worry about it because they were making money. COVID comes along, shuts them down for months. And now they're in a kind of, you know, a lot of these guys are still in rebuild mode, even though things are starting to move again a little bit. The, they just can't cover that debt. So um I don't think this is necessarily, you know, I, I played in, you know, Ollie just said he played in the, or he worked in the... Uh, Uh, the foreclosure world uh, and, 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 you know, what happened uh, during 2008, 2009 when a lot of foreclosures happened. I was on the other end of that. I actually, I did a lot of short sales. I own a real estate investment firm that, that bought a lot of houses out of that. And more times than not, if you really looked at what happened is two things, right? The, you know, the economy did a couple of things, but the homeowners were buying houses way more than they could afford. And then uh, it, didn't, it didn't take just a little bit of shift, like, you know, for something to happen and all of a sudden they can't pay it. Insurance premium go up, uh, the interest rate change, anything to happen, And all of a sudden they were facing this. The banks were allowing these uh, people to, to just totally over leverage. That's not the case here. These are good, man. These are good business owners in, in the most part. These are good business owners who made sound decisions and, uh, you know, the one thing they didn't do is disaster planning, right? What you know? What if the world turns upside down tomorrow? And uh, that's just you know, I don't know too many business owners that that do that. Um, so, other than like, so let's let's cover let's cover like kind of the the scope of this. Like, you know, we we're not talking your mom and pop shop that has a hundred thousand dollars in debt, and you know, and they generate you know two hundred thousand dollars a year. What type, what's the scale that you're looking for inside of this this, uh, program?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So, you know, when when you typically look at these type of models or businesses, we're looking at anywhere between, you know, if you have a debt size and, you know, our model really, the, the purpose of our model is not to literally take over the business in a sense where we are becoming owner operators, but rather we're assuming the position of their creditors. Like, that's what we're doing. Our initial responsibility is like any, you know, uh, if you you look back at the foreclosure industry, Ron, as you're familiar with this, is you would assume a position of a lender and then you'd go through strategic foreclosure processes to, you know, amicably end uh, a certain default situation, right? Um, The same is here in in the business side of things where we'd step in and we're assuming the the role and responsibility of uh, the creditors in which we are doing something called a friendly foreclosure. Uh, the purpose here is to replace their their initial creditors. And therefore, for us to actually consider a business that would be worth it for us, we're typically looking at the creditor's size and worthiness should be at minimum 500,000. And even at that, like we get challenges because you have to keep in mind that the people who are siding with us are institutional investors and family offices. We don't have any small investors. And when you're putting out dry potter, which is liquidity sitting in the banks, uh, you know some of these guys have assets of a minimum 100 million dollars. Right? And, and they need to deploy them as quickly and as efficiently as possible while making the maximum impact, hence the reason our business model makes sense. Uh, so, you know, at best, at minimum, is 500,000. And it can go as high as 250 million, which may be, you know, co in one or two other families. Uh, the objective here is, you know, if, if that's the size that we're dealing with, usually what happens is uh, the process is a lot easier because the paperwork as which we would do for 500,000 is almost as anything, anything similar or if not easier with 250 million. Uh, because it's a lot more institutionalized, and documentation is a more streamlined process with those 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 debt sizes because you know they covered their tracks really well uh, in a good way that is um, so that's the typical size and range now that's a huge range, but this gives you an idea and perspective of you know how we work and and why this would make sense for us
0: and from an investor's point of view, somebody like myself who uh, would find one of these companies and bring it to you we're looking at you know what's the value on the other side right we're looking for you know if the debt was negotiated off and the debt structure was more favorable to the business would this be a business you know that you know, could be grown repackaged sold you know does, what's the real value on the other end of it right so most of the time that's not going to be a huge problem. So I, I think I, I was reading some of the stuff you guys have, and, and, it, and it sounds like one of the things that ca- I caught on is um, you had three key, fr- key phrases you like to use, and I'm going to read that. It's called uh, preservation, protection, and, uh, and freedom. So tell me about where that came from. Um, is it preservation of the jobs and stuff? You guys talked about a, lot, a little bit about that the last time I spoke to you.
2: It's preservation of everything, Ron. Um, You know, preservation of the business owner. Like you said, a lot of these business owners weren't mismanaging their business. They just weren't capitalized well enough to keep their head afloat through these storms of times that we're in economically and for the business owners. You know, so it's preserving the business owner's financial integrity, um, their credit, their livelihood, their assets. It's preserving the jobs of the employees and it's preserving the business itself.
0: So I can see, you know that that's a huge impact. You know, right now, I honestly think that there's there's a lot of people counting on another EIDL loan or another PPP loan coming out, and at some point that all stops. And when it all stops, if they haven't been in full, re- you know, recovery, uh, I think you guys are doing this, you know, with foresight to see that this is coming. I honestly see that we have another kind of a bubble setting out there right now, and. Uh, some of them will make it without you know you know guys like you guys and, and they'll just they'll figure it out, and other ones are just going to absolutely have one or two choices right and that's to lay everybody off, you know try to uh, save as many assets as as they can when they go through bankruptcy uh, put at risk their personal assets they have their personal liabilities, all the stuff that goes along with uh, going through a, a foreclosure or going through in this case a business bankruptcy. And, um, you know, those debtors trying to recover assets. So uh, one of the things that I, caught my attention is you spent a little bit of time in, in addressing or uh, tell me about addressing the uh, the business owner's personal liabilities and making sure they, you know, they have a safe exit or a safe uh, avenue out of the out of the mess that, that has been created by this situation.
1: Sure, sure. Um, so... If you look at it in a situation and a perspective, a lot of business owners, you're right, Ron. You know, and and Berker even addressed this. Is you know, you guys are looking at perspective of how the businesses are undergoing support right now. EDILs, PPPs, additional loan structures that are provided by government incentivized. Uh, you know, I'm going to give you this answer, but in a holistic approach. You know, allow me a couple of minutes so that everybody gets a clear perspective of why this makes sense. I'm thinking of it not just from a perspective of an economist, but also as a banker and a person coming in from the Federal Reserve side of the matter in, in terms of an analyst. And if you continuously start supporting and printing money and providing substance to business owners to continue surviving and thriving, what happens is at the capacity of how business owners are operating due to COVID restrictions, you're already having like 20, 30% capacity at best. Some of the businesses, service-based industries, obviously we can see a huge bash in that because what you used to have where you'd have to eat into the restaurant space or you'd go out and, and you'd give tips and so on and so forth, that used to rotate the economy quite quite nicely, Right. Uh, On the other side of it is there are certain levels of quantitative easing that's going to cost inflationary, you know, in in a situation of inflationary things to have the standard of living going really, really high, at which point the supporting infrastructure is not possible unless otherwise you're taxing up the wazoo. And that's going to be almost an impossible situation because you don't have businesses to support that tax infrastructure. Right. And another situation you have is business owners who are extremely conservative in reference to the decision making aspect of whether to go through a business bankruptcy or force liquidation of whatever personal assets they have in order to satisfy creditors and the balance of those creditors or whatever shortfall they can. And the reason as to why is because they're already too deep in to actually even consider that as an option. So with all that said, when you're personally guaranteed, like including EDIL, you know, they're actually personally guaranteed there as well. They don't know this, but it is a fact, right? Uh, so when you're personally guaranteed, you have personal assets that you really have to consider, you know, the, the risk element of those personal okay. assets. So, a business owner is always going to have a very hard decision coming to that realization that, okay, well, I have no choice but to do this and execute this because it is what it is, right? So if that be the case, what's going to happen is now they're stuck between a hard place and a rock because the decision-making factor is impeded by the ability to think clearly because there's personal involvement in that. There's their sensation of personal, emotional level of thinking about family, about you know preserving of those assets, right? So one of the biggest things that we do, and the, the reason why Liberta makes sense is because we realize that. Right before we even step into the transaction, we look at a person's, well, business owner's personal balance sheet. We realize that that's an issue. We have programs in which, if they have personal assets and they wouldn't otherwise qualify for a program or the creditors may have to go after them, is we can actually set those assets and put them in a protective custody. And this is the biggest tool that we have. And on top of that, you know, I'm pretty sure, Ron, you already know what kind of assets and structures we put together. Uh, But the way in which we do it, the business covers all those costs because of the restructuring model we initiate. When that happens, you'd qualify for our program. And upon us taking the position of your first position creditor, there are secondary creditors you've signed personal guarantees with. But the beauty is the business would be restructured in a sense to cover those obligations for you. It's the one and only insurance program in the United States by far that I know of that we can say we confidently can preserve the personal guarantee of business owners and create a protection plan around that. And hence the reason why you have the freedom word at the end of the three, Right. So now they can go out there and hopefully in the future do another business and so on and so forth without worrying about where their personal assets are going, whether they have to liquidate, whether they have to get wage garnishment for the next 60 years because they have $2 million to pay and so on and so forth. So all these type of things are in consideration. So this is why Labruta Capital exists. You know, we, we thought about all the different angles that possibly can go wrong and will go wrong. Murphy's Law, that's our best friend in these type of transactions, uh, just a heads up. But we look at all that and You know, we calculate everything we can, and then we we structure that. So I hope that answers your question. I know it's a very long answer, but I need it to be (laughs) as clear as possible. Uh, I think it is
0: clear. So what's that?
2: Yeah, you know, and Ali mentioned freedom. I mean, put yourself in some of these business owners positions as well. Freedom from the stress, man. You know, you're laying in bed at night. You have this King Kong of a monkey on your back wondering what's going to happen. How are you going to make it through tomorrow? What are you going to do? How are you going to turn it around? that's a, just from a a stress management and your personal life perspective, that's an impossible and a terrible place to be, you know, and it's freedom from that. I've been there personally whenever I first started my business and it's, you know, it's a rough spot. And so we're, you know,
0: we're happy to be here. So it sounds like you guys have a real grasp on what it's going to look like to take control of that debt and negotiate it off and stuff. So as far as business debt goes and, and as far as, um, you know, just this whole process goes, are there any common myths out there about maybe bankruptcy or this, you know, I can't, there's no way to negotiate this off. There's, I got to do this. There's any common myths out there that you you really think that we, uh, you know, we should take a second or two to debunk.
1: Yeah. I mean, and Brooker, if you're okay with this, I'd like to give it a nice little, all right. So the personal thing is a lot of people treat this like, oh, you can just simply walk up to a creditor and, and be really good with them and polite, and somehow they'll agree to your terms. You know, The reality is everybody's hurting. You know, yeah, creditors have toxic debt right now that's sitting on their balance sheets as well, and their incentive is recovery. It's not necessarily to step in and run your business or operations. They're already looking at how to liquidate those assets. So the biggest misconceptions I see a lot of business owners make is thinking that somehow everything is negotiable, right? And the reality is not at this time. Right. Not at this time. And the reason I say not at this time is because the expectation of this whole situation with the pandemic and COVID was a two to three month time frame at best with isolation, you know, self-care, you know, certain types of restrictive business practices that would somehow slowly but surely remove all this type of, uh, you know, situation with, you know, people falling sick or hospitalization infrastructures being at full capacity and eventually slow things down. That was an anticipation. Now, however, that was a completely miscalculated anticipation because human factor is, you know, these things, you cannot control that. You know, you have to be very cautious in how that happens. So what ends up happening now is this this anticipated three months is now 12 months, 13, 14, 24 months. What happens with the balance sheet of creditors now, there's a huge and tremendous amount of pressure from shareholder equity for those sitting on the boards and those sitting on the decision making aspect of creditors deploying the liquidity into the markets to say, look, I need you guys to go and fetch right now, like as aggressively as you can. We're not going to put out those little chihuahuas to go fetch a bone. We're going to put out some pit bulls to go fetch an entire body, right? And that's what it is. And and they're, albeit it's very politically correct way of saying it, if you look at the situation, it's as aggressive as they can possibly be, but passive aggressive, right? And as they come to the market and they start to collect and they start to deploy strategies of let's say foreclosure or aggressive, you know, forcing into back, uh, chapter 13 bankruptcy and so on and so forth. If a business owner is not equipped to understand the language, the tools to use, the laws around those tools and the structures that are available to them in order to deploy them as quickly and as efficiently as possible instead of waiting until you're too far gone down the road, then you don't know what you're doing. So in a sense, like your business owner, I'm not disrespecting their ability to negotiate, nor do I disrespect anything that they do in terms of their business. I think they did pretty well so far pre-COVID and so on and so forth. It's just this is a situation that is a very unknown territory to most. And because we come from that background, you know, we saw the housing market crisis, we saw insurance products CDOs being created in front of our eyes. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't even go into the the quantitative derivatives, you know, and the quadrillion dollars of databases that we have to go through. But if you look at the situation and how that unfolded really rapidly and quickly, and the government programs that were put into place to essentially, how do we say, bail those situations out? Guess what? Back in the day, taxpayer dollars were supporting that. Today, though, taxpayer dollar is well, how much person capacity. Barely any. You see what I'm saying? On top of that, they're printing money to support. So can you imagine the level of aggression, the frustration that's happening behind the scene, and the planning that's going to go into making sure that creditors are whole and to make sure that nobody's going to lose. Right? So business owners have to understand that narrative before they even approach this. Once they understand that narrative, then they have to leave it to professionals who understand the space and have gone through that shade and they've already seen a certain type of event that happened in the past that we would have undergone and understood it, you know, in a very sincere level to be able to give the guidance and support that we need and create the infrastructure for them to write on that support. And it's not any type of, you know, programs that you can just say, I need a grant or I'll negotiate with my creditor. It's a completely different conversation in that perspective. Right. So I hope that makes sense.
0: I think it does. I think that there's a parallel inside of the, when we did the, you know, home foreclosures and negotiating debts off of uh real property that, you know, real, um, uh, Real estate assets, and I would constantly get calls where well my you know I got your letter, but I talked to my bank and they're not going to allow a short seller and they're not going to negotiate on debt and the the comments you know steam what that was was like, look, they told you that, but they cannot tell me that I know the laws the rules and, and I know who to report them to if they don't right so let's take a look at your financial situation. I'll tell you if you're qualified, I'll show you you know where you're you know you know where you're qualified and where you're not because i know the process and if you know if i think we can do it we'll take it on our service is free so i think that there's a, a little bit of that too i'm afraid that there are going to be business owners that hear about this they'll hear this audio and they will all call my bank and say hey, i got these guys that might be able to negotiate the, you know debt with you would you work with them that's not the right approach right now i just i don't think that that banker is not going to tell that business owner the same thing that they would tell trained professionals that know the rules know the laws know you know what the process is it's just it's a totally different situation so um i think i want to throw that myth out there is like if you call them and they tell you no doesn't mean that they're going to tell us no or tell you know, tell the brute the brute capital no right there there's a different process a different way of contacting like most of the time these business owners wouldn't even be contacting the right person if this is anything like the, the uh the uh, other world, right? The 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 foreclosure world, then um there's actually resource and asset managers and other people at the bank that handle this type of stuff to where you guys aren't gonna be contacting their l- lending officers that made them the loan, you're gonna contact a whole you know, totally different uh you know, set of people. So um what do you say to like business owners that you know, think that you know I don't know if you guys can do this.
2: What do you mean, Ron?
0: <laughs> so the it, the self doubt that actually kicks in. So somebody's going to hear this and go, kick you know?" My bank already told me they're not going to negotiate this. I have to pay the full amount, or, or 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 you know, I'm done. You know, what do you say to that? Like you know, give us a shot anyway, or what? You know, what is it? The...
2: You know, reach out to us and call us. Yeah, it's kind of like. In, in every aspect of business, or in, at least in all of my businesses, I try to find someone better at it than me, right? And that's why they're all doing so well. I realize that sometimes I have to get out the way for it to see its ultimate success. And it's kind of the same thing for business owners in this position. You know, it it is similarly parallel to a real estate short sale, but it's infinitely larger. It's like that on an infinite amount of steroids. It's just a monster whenever you get into massive business debt. Um, and- they may tell a business owner that, but that's, that's not the reality of it. You know, bankers realize their books are highly toxic, like Ali said. They have tons and tons of bad debt on them, especially right now. Um, you know, they, the, the lending institutions, for the most part, need us just as much as the business owners and the businesses do, to a degree. But sometimes you have to get out of your own way to achieve your ultimate success, right? Find somebody better at it than you that actually knows what they're doing.
0: Awesome. So we all see this coming and I'm going to tell you to put on your fortune teller hat, pull out your tarot cards, whatever it takes to, to, to forecast the future for me. Now, are we looking at the starting to trickle in, you know, say in the next quarter or so, or is this just going to blast us for at some point? Um, you know, what what is your gut feeling on how fast it's going to dial up, you know, kind of if, if you literally look what happened inside it, 2007 2008 2009 with the housing bubble it happened pretty fast you know probably over a span of you know probably six or eight months it got from like not on the radar at all to being a real problem that everybody had to solve and it took some time to solve all of it are we looking at that here is this going to just ramp up super fast or what's your what's your prediction you guys you're the ones with your eyes on this fall where where's it going where's it coming from
2: So I'm not even predicting it personally. I've been in conversations with high-level officials in multiple banking institutions and friends of mine that are are in those positions. You know, and the writing is on the wall. Um, Business owners and businesses in general are in absolute survival mode right now. Um, You know, a lot of the things that you mentioned with businesses that are going to happen, i.e. mass layoffs, surviving off the government grants and subsidies and whatnot, that's already taking place. You know, everyone wants their PPP loans to be forgivable, but that doesn't mean they can't lay off a half, three quarters of their personnel, only keep the essential ones on and filter that PPP money into them, PPP money, and then, you know, fund the business through the EIDL loans. But everything's about to peter out, man. Everyone's been in survival mode. So unless you're well capitalized or can well capitalize yourself very fast and very effectively, yeah, it's going to bust. I mean, I anticipate. So they are rolling out a new EIDL loan. I got an email from a construction company, I think, yesterday. Um, It may be kind of niche marketed than I got was, so it won't be applicable if the one I got is applicable to every business. As these subsidies run out, so anyways, I'm talking a circle. Back to my banking friends. Everyone from every banking organization that I've talked to anticipates three to six months that, you know, their backs against the wall as well, like Ali was saying, and they have massive pressure from above because they're trying not to belly up as well, right? Everyone is. The entire economy essentially is in survival mode at the moment. But people that know a lot more than I do and that are a lot better at it than myself anticipate three to six months.
0: So we're looking at three to six months from the last, pretty much last handout or three to six months from now. So if they issue another EDIL or another another round, Mm -hmm. is it going to push it out for most of them or is it going to push it out for just some of them or?
2: You know, everyone's clinging on by a thread, man. Uh, everyone's hanging on by the skin of their nails. Uh, if they push out more money, people will be able to hang on a little further, just kind of hoping for their ship to come in, hoping for that turnaround event, hoping for the standards or the, the regulations to become more lax where so they can conduct business as they did. Unfortunately, a lot of people are, see, are finding, and a lot of various business owners that I've talked to are finding that they're not even currently, in spite of all of the grants the subsidies, the free money, if you will, or at least that's the mentality of it, they're still not capitalized well enough to take advantage of the market coming back to normal. They can't even fund it. Um, So if they do roll out another set of EIDL loans and PPP loans, man, that's strictly survival mode. That's not enough. That's enough money to maintain existence, but it's not enough money to reinitiate operations for a large portion of businesses out there, especially ones with massive overhead and lower profit margins. In your manufacturing spaces, oh, I think we lost Ali.
0: But- he just texted me. Yep. So let's we'll let's have him jump back on. I think it was his connection.
2: Yeah. Does that answer your question, Ron?
0: It does. Um, hopefully, he'll jump right back on. Yeah. yeah we do and uh, so, I'm pretty sure that was his connection because the rest of it looks pretty good here.
2: So yeah, pretty strong on my end. Um. But, yeah, so, you know, it won't be long. If they keep rolling out money, I mean, where's this money coming from? We're going to pay for it eventually. You know, we're, we're, we've already paid up front for it, and we're going to pay on the back end as well. You can only keep giving out free money for so long. But even as business owners are receiving the money, and God knows they can use it, um, you know, it's, it's still in survival mode. That's just enough money to exist, not enough money to recapitalize and function and begin operations again.
0: So right now people are going through this, like, you know, we're talking about it, but these business owners are living this. They're waiting on that next PPP loan. They're not EDI loan. They're, they're, you know, they're trying to shift or what do you want to call it? Make the, make a change that adapt to this market. And they're struggling. What piece of advice should we offer them now? Um, as far as look, you know, keep us on your radar or like it's never too early to talk to you guys or what? What can you say to somebody that's like, right, they're they're in the mix, they're listening to this, they're trying to find a way out. What can we say right now to to those individuals who uh, may need us, you know, sooner than later?
2: You know, if the writing's on the wall or if they're living in fear, overwhelmed by stress, go ahead and reach out to us. You know, if they're viable, if we can say, look, you don't need us, you just perhaps do this, this and this, and it's probably all going to be okay. You know, we are happy to do that. Uh, but if the writings on the wall come on to us before it gets to a point that it's irreversible, you know you can only ride a ship so far beneath the water before you're at the bottom of the sea, right uh, But it, you know if they can hang on, reach out to us regardless you know we're we're all very kind-hearted people we want to see everyone succeed. that's the reason that we're doing this is the preservation of you know businesses, owners, employees you know it's it's it's, it's a terrible place to be whenever you get laid off and you have to figure out how to pay your mortgage, pay your car notes, put food on the table, buy your kids the new school uniforms because the other ones are too small. You know, and we're trying to prevent it essentially. And if they have that perspective right now, if they feel like that is inevitably going to happen, go ahead and come to us while we still have something to work with.
0: Okay. I got it. So uh, are there any resources out there right now that can help them along the way? I know there's, the the Small Business Administration and some other stuff score and those type of things, but if they're in the the mix, right, and and they're actually like not knowing whether or not they're going to survive, what are the resources out there that they can reach out to get some assistance, either guidance wise, or um, you know maybe financial?
1: All right, Uh Brooke, are you want to answer this? No, you go ahead. All right, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, know. so it's always funny because I see Burkers is ready and I'm ready. And I'm like, oh, let me just give it to Burker. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the way it is, Ron, is obviously SBA and other resources, scores and stuff, their support is there for their in, in their head. They're prescribing that you somehow have an operational business and you're not too far down, gone down the road, like I always say. And you have some sort of sustainable element there. Unfortunately, a lot of times is where when we look at things, let's look at it in a perspective of like everyday living. We look at, oh my God, I got to go to the doctor because it's a reactive situation. It's never a preventive, right? Same thing with, oh my God, I got sued. I need a lawyer today. Again, a reactive situation. Why would you not prevent this lawsuit from happening, right? Or this disease from happening? The same consideration is, you know, these resources, if you're thinking, oh my God, you know, I'm anticipating a big contract for my business. Hopefully the cash flow will help us support go for a couple of months. That anticipation is not guaranteed. It's an anticipation. What is guaranteed is what you have control over now. And what you have control over now is being preventive rather than reactive, right? So albeit there is a lot of ways to look at SBA and other resources and tools, I think the biggest resource you have and in, in, in the best one, if you have a proper team, that is, is your accountant and bookkeeper. And a lot of people will say, well, that's, that's not true. They're just responsible for the bookkeeping. Not really. They're an arm of your business. If they're just doing accounting and they're replaceable and in their commodity, they shouldn't be in your books in the business in the first place. Right, an accountant's responsibilities like R and D, tax credits, certain efficiencies in your system, helping you create IP, helping you create infrastructure that can help you support your business because they're doing the math for you every day, and they're in touch with the government bodies that can help you and support you. So perhaps discuss and have a lengthy discussion with your accountants, you know, and 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 sit down with your team. Maybe they can come up with some ideas to help. You know, a lot of business owners have way too much pride, and it's not a bad thing, but you got to let it go, and you got to learn to communicate. and and This is the time to everybody's got to survive and look out for each other. So think of the accountant, think of educational platforms, think of your team and ask if there are uh, you know ways to come together and, and come up with a plan to, to see if there's a sustainable infrastructure we can work with. And at best, you know, things don't work out. And obviously you, you, you know, behind everybody's head, you have tried. And that's the first thing. Is it too late? No, that's where Labruda exists. Right. But even at that, like I'm giving you guys resources of preventive strategies and reactive. And if you understand that as a principle, then you'll never lose on business. Right. For example, a lot of people came to this realization, like you said, Ron, that they don't understand crisis management and so on and so forth. But if you think about it, there are intelligent businesses out there that un- they understood the model of captive insurance. It's a tire, you know, IRS tax strategy. It's a 10% you can give away to another LLC that you control and you can put that money away. If you had 10 years of that, you basically had a pretty good year worth of revenue set aside for a business potentially to help you go through the hard times, at which point you can leverage this as a security to get a loan and so on and so forth. So there's just so many different things that you could have done and that would have been a preventive thing, right? Don't plan for disaster, right? You have to plan for opportunistic way of conducting a business and surviving, but anticipate disaster, right? And once you do so, what happens is everything you do is is put together in a very unique perspective. But what I'm saying is those resources that's available to the public is given the fact that that just put something together for these guys and let them handle it and let them come through to their own conclusions, but you already have team you already have an accountant, you have employees there. I'm pretty sure they have the heart to stay in those jobs because it's in their best interest to do so. So collectively as a unit, we should all come up with strategies to see what we can do together. And once you come to that realization, nothing can hold you back from coming up with creative solutions. And I promise you five heads are better than one. Right. So that's my opinion on this.
0: Awesome. So one of the questions I always like to ask is you're, you're in my shoes, you're sitting in this camera and, uh, I didn't think my software messed up. I'd drag your monitor you, you over in my spot, but uh, we're not going to do that because we dropped you earlier. So if you were in my spot and you were interviewing Labruta Capital, what questions would you have asked? Is there something I missed or something the listeners need to know about, who you guys are, what you're up to, that I haven't we haven't addressed in, on the call so far?
2: The only thing I would add, Ron, and you know I think we've kind of touched on a little bit of everything, but the only thing I would add is that we're in your corner. You know, you're not alone. Uh, These distressed business owners, you know, the stress that they're living in, the circumstances, environment. You're not by yourself. You know, we're on your team and we want to see everyone win. And uh, sometimes that's a good feeling because especially a lot of these people feel like their backs against the wall. You know, it's just them against the world. It's just survival mode right now. And you're not alone. Reach out to us. You know, a lot of people have already reached out to the various government organizations and entities that you mentioned a couple of earlier. You know, we've had people reach out to them as well just to say, hey, listen, we exist. We are a lifeline for these business owners before they just completely belly up. Have them reach out to us. Let's see if we can help them. But we haven't been able to get a hold of a single person because they're all overwhelmed. They're just completely covered in people calling them nonstop as well. So we haven't even been able to tell them that we exist. But realize as a business owner, after calling, not hearing anything back from anyone, you know, no form of help visible at all in the near future, we're in your corner. You know, we have your back.
0: You're not alone. So what's the easiest way for the listeners to actually reach out and get a hold of you?
1: Uh, that, would be, that would be that would be your run. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. So in full disclosure, I've I've been talking to these guys for a while and I've actually agreed in my acquisitions and mergers role to uh, to help it help find and help this, these companies, I have a heart for, you know, not allowing somebody's legacy to disappear on them. So, uh, I'm interested in this. So if you're interested in like hearing more, learning more or whatever, I'll go ahead and, uh, post out a way to contact me. Uh, you can reach through the LinkedIn it's probably the easiest way. That's my LinkedIn. It's, uh, uh, if you just Google or uh, search on LinkedIn for Ronald Skelton, or there's the link right there, that's how you can reach out to me. It's the easiest way. Or um, my email address, I'll say it, and I'll post it in the uh, uh, in the comment sections of some of the uh, places where we post the video. And that's me, me at 4sell2sold.com. And it's the number four S A L E, the number 2s dot S-O-L-D.com. Me at 4 to Send me an email saying, tell me you have a business that needs some debt restructuring or needs me to look at it. And uh, I'll be glad to sit down with you on Zoom or uh, phone or whatever it takes. And uh, we'll have that discussion. So um, how else? So the, the final question is always going to be, um, how can the listeners help you? Is there any information you need out there? Is there any resources you guys, uh, if somebody could, you know, answer one question that moved uh Bruta capital forward, how can my listeners be a resource to you guys? Is there, there's something out there, some list or database you need access to or I, I'm reaching here.
2: You know, I'd say instead of being a resource to us, be a resource to these business owners that are in distress, um, you know, and, and, And being a resource to them, just put them in touch with us. Let's see what we can do. And they can do that through you You and go to labrutacapital.com. But, you know, be a resource for them.
0: Awesome. Is there any last words you guys want to share? Thanks for having us, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's good, man. It's been a blast. Today's show is also brought to you by the Investors and Entrepreneurs Professional Mastermind. The Investors and Entrepreneurial Professional Mastermind combines the traditional peer-to-peer mastermind introduced first in Napoleon Hill's famous book, Think and Grow Rich. With accountability partnering, where your peers help you ensure that you set goals, take actions, and get results. If you want to scale, blow past roadblocks, and achieve success faster than you might think is possible, I suggest you take a visit over to TIEPM.com. That's T I E. PM.com and check out the Investors and Entrepreneurs Professional Mastermind.